Amen. Good morning, Vineyard Worship. We'll try that one more time. Good morning, Vineyard Worship. Thank you so much for having me. It's a real joy and privilege to be amongst you. And thank you so much for that beautiful time of worship. I can't quite spot the leaders in this moment. Um, but thank you for leading us straight to the throne room and for teaching me some new songs. I would love to return the favor. So I'd love to start out by teaching you guys a song. It's very simple. I promise I'll sing it through one time and then you can feel free to join in. Hmm. This is your house, your home, we welcome you, Lord, we welcome you. This is your house, your This is your house, this is your house, oh, your home, we welcome you, Lord, we welcome you, this is That's the desire of our hearts. King Jesus, would you know a fitting welcome as we meet in this moment? In your name, amen. Greetings from KXC. In my opinion, the most vineyard church in the Anglican communion. Um, so it feels like a real joy to be with you today because the words family get banded around a lot in Christian circles, but being with you guys genuinely does feel like that. I know when, once we've got more than 20 minutes on worship, I'm with my tribe. So thank you. Thank you for that. Greetings from our worship pastors, Rich and Lydia, who I know are with you recently. Um, this morning, we've seen a bit of our theme, looking at home. So the banner over our time together is Come Holy Spirit. The banner over this morning is Come Home Holy Spirit, looking at what it is for the Spirit of Jesus to be not just tolerated, but hosted within us, looking at our worship as welcome, number one. And number two, looking at worship as 
witness. And I'm going to promise that I did, in fact, write this talk before the lovely Anna Beth stepped out in that moment in worship and before I found out that the wonderful Zach was going to be leading this seminar later on. Worship as welcome, worship as witness. In our time in the scriptures this morning, we're going to be based in the book of Luke, chapter 7, across verses 36 to 50. If you have access to a Bible, I'd encourage you to have the passage open. And because I am in an Anglican church, after I read the passage, I'm going to say these words. This is the word of the Lord. And I'd love if you could respond with... Wonderful. Let's try that out. This is the word of the Lord. Wonderful. Luke chapter 7 from verse 36 to 50. Hear these words from God's word. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet and he wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to tell you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other. But neither of them could repay him, so he kindly forgave them both. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and dried them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil on my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven, so she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks for indulging me. Let's join together in another moment of prayer. King Jesus, we thank you that you are here by your spirit. Lord, what a joy it is to see you do what only you can do as we gather and worship you in this space. 
Lord, we have worshipped. I pray in this moment that we would continue to worship. Spirit of God, you authored this text in collaboration with human authors. Would you yourself come and walk us through the scriptures? Would the fruit of this time be lives of deeper worship, bolder witness, and the unveiling of the glory of Jesus for the world to see? We ask this in his precious name. And all God's people said, Amen. Now, I wonder what you were doing on the 21st of October 2019. Rogue, I know, stay with me. I don't know what you were doing, but I know what I was doing, and you're about to find out what I was doing. What I was doing was I was in an internship at my church, KXC, in King's Cross. I did an internship in the evangelism team, and so I'm in the office doing our evangelism thing, and then I get a phone call from my daddy. I get a phone call from my daddy. I pick it up. By the end of that phone call, I have booked the very first flight home to Ireland. Yes, that's why my accent is as it is for the next morning. Book a flight, the first flight home to Ireland for the next morning on the back of that phone call. What was going on? Well, it wasn't a family emergency, praise God, but it absolutely was a big deal. You see, the general overseer of the redeemed Christian Church of God was coming to my home the next day. The general overseer of the redeemed Christian Church of God was coming to my home the next day. Now before me is a sea of beautiful and blank faces. So let me tell you a bit more about the general overseer of the redeemed Christian Church of God. The redeemed Christian Church of God is a Nigerian Pentecostal denomination started out in the 50s in Nigeria and since then and under the leadership of the current general overseer has known a rapid fire expansion across the globe. So the RCCG has representation in most of the territories and nations on the face of the world hosts a monthly prayer meeting in between Lagos and Abaddon, capital, big cities in Nigeria, each month that hosts upwards of a million people to come and pray across the globe as a followership in millions. In the UK and Ireland, the general overseer has come. He has a habit, has a commission from the Lord to go to these nations and host prayer gatherings. And I have personally been in gatherings that have drawn in tens of thousands to come to hear him and to contend for breakthrough and revival in our territories. So one more time, the general overseer of the redeemed Christian Church of God was coming to my home. My parents are church leaders. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We're getting better. My parents are church leaders in the RCCG, senior church leaders. They have been all my life. Pray for me. And so this is some of why he was coming to our home. Just for those for whom the penny hasn't yet dropped, the Pope was coming to my house. And as I received this call from my daddy in London, I said, there is no way I'm gonna be here in King's Cross while that is going down in Navin. I'm going home. So daddy, do you mind helping your daughter on this Christian internship out with flights for tomorrow? My father very graciously obliged. And that was that. 
I say to my line manager, this is what's going on. My bad won't be here tomorrow. I go home, I pack my bags, I get as much sleep as I can manage in the circumstances. I'm up at the crack of dawn and I'm heading home because the geo is coming to my house today. And so a few hours later, I find myself on the threshold of my family home and I open the door and I walk in and the scene that is before me is nothing short of chaos. There are people moving in every direction possible and cupboards that haven't seen the light of day for years are being cleaned like there is no tomorrow. Why is this? Because the general overseer of the redeemed Christian Church of God is coming to our home. So I try and find a useful thing to do in this moment, peeking out of windows when I can to see if they're coming. And then we get a phone call that the convoy, you best believe it's a convoy, is 10 minutes away. At this point, the Avengers assemble. We each go to our designated spots and we await the entrance of the geo. And then it happens. They come up, they come up the drive and in moments they are in our home, standing in our hallway where I have stood thousands of times, but it feels different right now. We usher them swiftly into the front room, the sitting room, the guest room, the best presented room in the house. We offer them basically our lives. They say a cup of tea will do just fine. And we have a few moments of fellowshipping together as much as you can in the circumstances. And then they say a word of prayer over us. They've brought some gifts for us and then they leave. It's a whirlwind. But amidst that whirlwind, the general overseer of the Redeemed Christian Church of God was in the front room of my house. I don't know if I've mentioned that already, that the general, whoa. Now, it, this is about upwards of 24 hours of disruption for this moment. Do you want to know how long this visit lasts? Hit me with a guess. We've got 15 minutes. Come through, any others? Approximately 12 minutes, approximately 12 minutes. Upwards of 24 hours of disruption for approximately 12 minutes of a visit. Now, as I sat in what remained after they'd left, I thought, you know what, that's a bit underwhelming. Like I thought, you know, we get a bit of a deep dive into each other's lives. He's come and now they're gone. But as I sat in that moment, it didn't take long before my heart was filled with thankfulness because I thought if it's been this much madness for a 12 minute visit, heaven forbid they stayed over. Why is that? Not because it wouldn't have remained an absolute honor and privilege to host them, but there's only so long you can put your best foot forward for a guest of this caliber. At some point, the cracks are going to show. At some point, there's going to be skid marks in the toilet. And so it was the kindness of God, the kindness of God, that this was only a 12-minute visit. So that was what happened in my life on the 21st and the 22nd of October 2019. And what we come to consider in this moment, yes, don't worry, there is a point to this story. What we come to consider in this moment is something akin to that and yet of far greater significance, could you believe? Far greater significance than the general overseer of the Redeemed Christian Church of God coming to my home. Because in this moment, we come to consider what it is for divinity himself to choose to abide inside of us. 
that the very God who flung galaxies into space, the very God who in this moment is sustaining every living thing, every living being to choose to take up residence inside of us. It is an extraordinary privilege to host the presence of the living God, extraordinary. May you leave this day and this time with a renewed understanding of the privilege of being you and getting to live as you do with the King of Kings on the inside. Extraordinary privilege. But you best believe extraordinary privileges don't just come with extraordinary joy. They also come with some extraordinary discomfort. Now things are different with the King of Glory. Things are different with the Holy Spirit. Things are different with the presence of Jesus than they are with the redeemed Christian Church of God's general overseer. You'd be glad to know. When the Holy Spirit comes in, yes, he might go at your invitation to the front room, but you best believe he's not going to stay there. You see, some of what he is most interested in is not your best display of beauty. He's actually going for those things that you have swept under the rug and thrown behind the sofa and put under the bed in anticipation of his arrival. And he says, what I want is not just the display of your best, though I'm happy to affirm you in that. I actually am making a beeline for the worst of you. And as you open that up to me progressively, as you give me greater access to all of you, you'll know what it is to be at home in me, and I'll know what it is to be at home inside of you. So that's some of the mission of the Holy Spirit in this moment. Yes, to lead us into overflowing joy, but do have it on your radar that the route to that joy does involve some discomfort. And our central character for this morning knows a thing or two about this. Now, of course, any passage of the Bible that has Jesus in it, so all of them, to different degrees. Every passage that has Jesus in it has him as the main character. And I have no intention to draw away from the Son of God in this moment. But I believe the key character that the Lord would have us hone in on in this moment is the woman who goes in our text by the name of a certain immoral woman. What kind of way is that to be immortalized in the word of God for generations, you know? Shout out to her. It'll be fun to meet her in eternity. And you know what? Some of that frustrates me. Some of it frustrates me that she's nameless, that we don't get to know her on more personal terms. And yet, considering the circumstances, I wonder, one, if that's God's kindness to her, that her name doesn't get tagged with this label in the text for generations. But more than that, I wonder if it's God's kindness to you and I, that we might more easily see ourselves in her story because that's the invitation of the Spirit to us in this moment. So we come to her, verse 37. A certain immoral woman from the city hears that Jesus is coming to eat there, and she brings an alabaster jar with expensive perfume. She's coming to meet Jesus. He's going to be hosted in the home of Simon, a Pharisee, and she's coming to meet him. What we don't see at this point, but what we see as the story unfolds, is that she actually is one who has already met him. 
this encounter will not be their first encounter. We don't have the details of it, but we can infer some of what's gone down from how the interaction plays out. Here is a woman who has heard of this man, Jesus the Nazarene, and she's, she's heard that he's come through with this message of good news to the poor. Yes, the poor as the materially destitute, but also the poor as the spiritually bankrupt. That here is a man who speaks with authority and with tenderness, whose words have the power to make things happen, who seems to be inhabiting some of the ancient story of the people of Israel like they haven't seen for generations. And yet in his high holiness, he seems to have a particular affinity for those at their lowest and at their worst. She's heard of these people who've interacted with this man, who have come before him and rather than be condemned, they've known shocking embrace. She has heard of him, she's come to meet him and she's heard an invitation from him Jesus at the door of her heart asking to come in and she's heard this invitation she's probably had to weigh whether it's too good to be true but someone like her who doesn't have a lot going for them someone like her she decides that you know what what do I have to lose let me take this man on his word and so she gives her yes to Jesus. She doesn't just have him at the front door. She allows him into the most intimate and broken space, into her bedroom, into this site of her debasing, into this place that has led her further away from herself and further away from God. And as she has welcomed Jesus into the most intimate and broken part of her, she has been stunned by his response. She has been stunned by his kindness, that he would see her as she truly is, not as she presents, not as she is invested in being seen, but as she really is, and that he would extend life-transforming grace and kindness towards her. And this woman comes, and she is on a mission to respond to his kindness. We see in this moment that she is pursuing Jesus, but the truth that comes before it is she has known what it is to be pursued by him. And her pursuit in this moment isn't the first act in the story. It's actually the second one. It's her response. She is keen to let him know just how kind he has been to her. So she hears that he's coming through and she does what she can to be there in time to receive him. Now she is not the person who has invited him. The person who's invited him is Simon the Pharisee. And yet what it appears that Simon wants in this moment is proof of Jesus's divinity. So that's Simon's agenda in inviting Jesus. And Jesus very graciously responds. But what Jesus is expecting, desiring in this moment is welcome. Not even just a platform to teach, though he'll do that. Not just a platform to give a miraculous sign, though that's part of who he is. He's simply seeking welcome. 
And yet here in this passage, there's a difference between the person who invites him and the person who actually welcomes him. In the plot twist of plot twists, the person who ostensibly Jesus should be most estranged from is the person that he is most drawn to and who is most drawn to him. She's not the person who invites him, but she is the person who hosts and welcomes him. And here we arrive at our first point, worship, our core task in worship could be summarized in many ways, but for our purposes, our core task in worship is to welcome the spirit of Jesus, welcome the presence of Jesus. And yet what the spirit is insistent on, I believe, insistent on as we gather in this moment is for us to know that welcome isn't the show of our strength, though he embraces that and honors it and multiplies it. Actually, worship is also when we allow him, invite him into the depths of who we are, into the things that haven't seen the light of day for some time. And I love that Jesus has led us into that already as we stepped out in prayer over depression. I believe there's more that Jesus has on his radar to uncover in this moment. If we wanna be those who don't just say, come Holy Spirit, who don't just invite him, but who in truth actually host him, we need to be those who give him access to all of who we are. So, amen. So for all of us in this moment, Jesus is asking, will you allow me to move out of this front room that you've cooped me up in? It's really beautiful. I love seeing the family photo album. But will you allow me into more of this space? Will you take a risk on me? in the most intimate space of who you are. That's an invitation for all of us, but it's also an invitation for some of us in particular. And I would love to invite you in the security of this moment where we have lifted up the name of Jesus. He is here in tenderness and in truth longing, desperate for those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. Let's not just be those who say, come Holy Spirit. Let's be those who actually do the work of hosting him, of trusting him in the innermost places. It's number one, she teaches us something about worship as welcome. She allows the Lord into the darkest places of her life. She sees from him, receives from him that which blows her mind. And in this moment, she comes to respond to him. Worship as welcome. But number two, we don't just see worship as welcome in this passage. We see worship as witness. Worship as witness. What does that mean? Well, as we come into this moment, again, we've already seen that there are a number of different motives behind this interaction. Now, for this woman, her motive is clear. She's coming to respond to Jesus. And the type of response that she is giving is one that costs her 
a lot. So this isn't just an easy display, and um, it's not for the crowds. If anything, she'd rather they weren't there. This is primarily about responding to him, what's happened in the personal, private, intimate space of her life. And she's coming to show that forth in a manner that is costly. Like David, she says, I will not bring before the Lord a sacrifice that costs me nothing. Let's just examine some of the cost to the woman in this moment. So a certain immoral woman is an euphemism. Another euphemism for her position is a lady of the night. This woman is a prostitute. She's a sex worker. And so the habits of her profession are that their work is done in the nighttime. And for her, that is a place of darkness, but it's also a place of security because she is vilified by her community. There's no way around it. In first century Judea and Jerusalem, she is vilified by her community. And yet in this moment, she is coming forth in the cool light of day to encounter Jesus, but she is absolutely risking being mocked by those who know her and those who know her profession. But she shuns that and comes forth in the day. That's risk number one, doesn't stop there. Number two, she brings this expensive jar of alabaster. Now, the people in this day and time would, some of the women would habitually have had alabaster boxes around them to like refresh themselves with the fragrance. This is an alabaster box. This is an alabaster jar. And just to adjust for our senses, this would have been about a year's wages is the value of what she brings forth in this moment. So translated to our terms, this would be something around 20 to 40,000 pounds worth of perfume that she's bringing before Jesus in this moment. Shocking. I mean, I try and pay my tithe. I try and give an offering, but I haven't, I haven't arrived at this level just yet. I'll have you know. Pray for me. 20 to 40,000 pounds worth is what she's bringing in this moment. That is already wild. She is a woman in this day and time, already doesn't have loads of security. We don't hear that she's married, which would have been a key way of her being able to get by, engage in transactions in her day and time. This money that she has worked hard for is her security and life, and she's bringing it forward to Jesus. But it's not just that she's bringing him what she's earned in the past. This woman is absolutely throwing the weight of her hope for the future onto this man in the moment. Why is that? Here is a woman who has encountered the life-changing message of Jesus, and he's come and embraced her as she is. And I know that we can say this, and it can be trite, but the truth is Jesus welcomes us as we are, but he doesn't leave us as we are. She's caught onto the truth of this. What has been her story up until now will not be her story going forward. Translated, she no longer has a job. She no longer has the security of the profession that she has known for so long. In this moment, she brings to Jesus everything that she has earned in the journey so far, but she also brings to him everything that she could have relied on going forward. She has not her eggs in a number of different baskets. She takes everything, literally everything before Jesus in this moment. There's no alternative plan. She's prepared to stake it all on this man. With the jar of alabaster, as some of you may know, it needs to be broken at the neck. There's no pouring out a little bit and conserving the rest of it for another day. It all comes out 
It's all in or nothing. That's what worship means to this woman. So she's taking the risk of being seen in the day, of bringing this substance of significant worth and value to her, not just in the past, but also for her future. This is worship with cost. This is worship with risk. And she has somewhat psyched herself up for this moment. She's known such grace in Jesus. She's happy to respond in this way. She's not stepping in begrudgingly. And yet she comes on this scene and the cost level goes even higher. Even higher. What she encounters in the home of Simon is not what she had anticipated. I don't know the fullness of what she anticipated, but it does appear that she thought Jesus would be getting more of a welcome akin to what she was planning to give him. This would be an environment where Jesus is being tolerated, celebrated, accepted. And what she steps into is an environment where Jesus is not admired but where Jesus is disdained. She steps into this moment, and not only has she come with this substance that is so expensive, for her to be able to play out what is on her heart to do is going to cost her even more than she has readied herself for in this moment. Because Jesus in this moment is in the line of fire. And for her to be present to Jesus also means to be in the line of fire with him. Again, watch this. Simon has Jesus into his home. And it's quite bold of Jesus to do this. I have sometimes received hospitality that I wasn't a fan of, but I sure as didn't say it to my hosts. But watch, the Son of God, verse 44, he says to Simon, when I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet. Verse 45, you didn't greet me with a kiss. Verse 46, you neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head. You see, we read that and it can go this way which is fair enough. But for this day and time and context, these are not just omissions. These are direct insults. Some of the things that are omitted in this moment are as basic to us as opening the front door, saying hello, taking someone's coat from them, inviting them to have a glass of water, not having the television blaring as they seek to speak to us. These are basic things, but they are also common things. And to omit them in this moment is not just to be distracted. It is to be making a direct attack on the person of Jesus. Now again, what does that have to do with you and I. Sure, obviously everyone loves Jesus, you know, the son of God, the miracle maker. Surely everyone loves Jesus. The truth and the reality is many of us will know is that the response to that is an emphatic no. And in particular in our day and time and in the nations the Lord has set us in. The Lord is doing beautiful things, beautiful things in this nation, in the nations. But you best believe this is all being contested all of the time. 
In the past year, we have had census results show us that for the first time since records began, those who would call themselves Christians in this nation are below 50%. Now, at one level, some of that is like broadly meaningless because ain't no way there's anything approaching 50% of this nation that's actually on fire for Jesus. In one sense, it's the kindness of God for those who are lukewarm to fall away and for us to go after them and draw them into the fold afresh. So some of that is helpful clarification but you best believe that it is also happening amidst a shaking up and chasing down of the Christian voice in the public square and seeking to choke it out. Some of you may have witnessed what happened with the recent contender for first minister in Scotland, Kate Forbes, who sought to be vocal and honest and consistent about her beliefs, which is more than we've had from our politicians in the past while, but we're not going to go there right now. And in the midst of that, in her holding on to Christian orthodoxy, she got pilloried. She wasn't assessed just as a politician, she was assessed as a Christian. And some of the clear message to her and to many of us in this room and to those that we are leading worship with and children in our schools is that yes, you might have a place for your faith, but it's not here. And you try and display that faith right near and you're gonna get it in the neck. There is a chill effect on being a Christian in our day and in our time. And so we can understand what's happening in this moment. And you know what? I wouldn't have judged this woman if on seeing what was actually going down in this moment. She's just trying to show the overflow of her love. She's not trying to make no public statement. I could, I could imagine it being totally cool. I would at least have sympathy with her saying, do you know what? I'm just going to wait until this scene is over. I'll wait here outside of Simon's home and I'll do my thing then. I didn't bargain for this and I absolutely want to show my love for this man, but I didn't know it was gonna cost me this much and it's already cost me something so far. I'm just gonna like stem this here. I bargained for this, I'm not doing this. I wouldn't have judged her. But there seems to be something when we get to worship at this level, worship in this place where Jesus is more at home in us and we are more at home in him. There seems to be a power that compels us beyond comfort, even beyond our own logic and reasoning, beyond our material circumstances. There's a power that propels us, that what has been done in the private place overflows in the public place. And those who have met the kindness of Jesus, who have known the life that flows uniquely from him, they are bound to respond, yes, in private, but also in public, to be present to him where he is, to know joy, to know the joy of fellowship with him, but also to despise the shame and scorn of fellowshipping with him, knowing fellowship with him in his suffering. This woman steps on a scene where Jesus is in the line of fire and she says, not just I retweet a few quotes from this guy, I follow him online, I think he's enlightened, but we we don't know each other like that. 
She says, I am going to identify with this man as much as is humanly possible for me to in this moment. He has gone to such great lengths to identify with me. How could I not? How could I not identify with him? And so what she does is she takes her hair understood in this day and time and somewhat in our own as the glory of a woman and also uniquely to be shared with her husband. In this day and time, women would have been in the habit of covering their hair. And if you appeared in public without covering your hair, it's because you are an immoral woman. If you're seen in the company of a man doing this, it would have some backlash for you and for him. And she takes this hair and she uses it to wipe the feet of Jesus. She touches him. And everyone around her says, what a whore. And how can this man allow this woman to be intimate with him in this way? And in this scene where Jesus is under fire, she says, he's not just this teacher that I admire. He is my Lord and my lover. And what he's seeking in this moment is not just a faithful fan, but a faithful bride. And so I'm going to be with him where he is. And I'm going to damn the consequences. We see her, she worship as welcome. She lets Jesus into the depths of who she is, but also worship as welcome proceeds into worship as witness. It's public, it's deeply uncomfortable, and it's absolutely right. And how is she received by Jesus? What does he do? Already in the line of attack and he comes under extra fire because of what she does in this moment. He fully claims and embraces her. He contrasts the insults of Simon to the adoration of this woman. Verse 47, I tell you her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven, so she has shown me much love. He says to her, your sins are forgiven. Later, he says to her, your faith has saved you. Your faith has made you whole. Your faith has ushered you into the fullness of shalom, the fullness of the life and peace that only I can give. You have stood with me in the private place. You have identified with me in the public place. And I also identify with you. What we see in this passage is dynamite. And this is what the world needs from us today. It might not know it, but this is what the world needs of followers of Jesus today. And this is what your congregations need from you today. And this is what the body of Christ needs from vineyard worship today. For you to be those who host the presence of Jesus, knowing that that means not just giving him a public show, but giving him private access, progressive access, 
And this stuff isn't easy. And the Lord isn't barging his way in right now. He comes in as he is invited. But you best believe he does have an agenda. And it's the fullness of life. And he will not stop at anything less than the fullness of life. And what we need from you is to honor that invitation into more. We'll have a moment to respond. The Lord doesn't just give the invitation in his kindness. He also supplies the resources for us to take that step. And the spirit is here to do that in this moment. But also, he is pushing you, pushing us into public witness. It's part of the bag. There is no avoiding it. It's not an optional add-on that you get at a certain stage in the journey. They're always together. This woman doesn't orchestrate it. She's not trying to go out on a crusade and make a show, but in an environment where the presence of Jesus is contested, there need to be those who rise up and say, I will be counted amongst this man. If you ask me if I'm one of those who know this man, I will not deny him. I will stand with him. He's not denied me. How could I deny him? And I would love you genuinely to take seriously the invitation from our time of worship. For those of you who are going to Zach's seminar, please soak it in. But even for those of us who will not be in that environment, can we sit with what this means for us in our communities, in our worship gatherings, to be drawing people into the more of God on the inside, but also to be drawing them and to ourselves be faithful in the representation of Jesus on the outside. This is what has the power to overthrow that which is against the kingdom of God, that God honors the public witness of his people. And when the Lord sees public witness, the people of God know public backing. This woman is exposed and vulnerable. Let's not mince our words on what this moment feels like for her. But in this place of such exposure, she knows such covering. May we be those who host and honor the presence of Jesus in our welcome and in our witness. Let's just take a moment to sit with the Spirit. Thank you that you are here. And together, Lord, we ask, come Holy Spirit. Mm. Thank you for your presence, God. Come brood over us, we pray. Show us how to live in the words you have spoken. Come, Holy Spirit. Mm. Come, Holy Spirit.
Mm. Yeah, as he comes with his invitation, don't bat him away. This is a safe, secure space. It's not a safe world, but he is a good savior. Father, I speak grace in this room to meet you at your invitation. In a moment, I'm going to call out a few categories of people that I'd love to um, invite to respond in prayer to some specific things I believe Jesus is doing. Um, Jesus is doing far more than my mind can capture in this moment, so do continue to engage with him regardless of what comes out of my mouth. But we are worship people, so let's take a moment to worship him. I will offer up my life in spirit and truth, pouring out the oil of love as my worship to you. In surrender, I must give my every part. Lord, receive the sacrifice of a burrow I will offer, I will offer up my life in spirit and truth, pouring out the oil of love as my worship to you. In surrender I must give my every part, Lord, receive the sacrifice of a broken heart. Jesus, what can I give? What can I bring to so faithful a friend, to so What can be said? What can be sung as a praise of your name for the things you have done? Oh, my words cannot tell, not even in And I surrender all to you, all to you. And I surrender all to you,
to you. I'm singing you this song. I'm waiting at the cross, and all the world holds dear. I count it all as loss for the sake of knowing you. For the glory of your name, to know the lasting joy, even sharing in your pain. And I, And I surrender all to you, all to you. I actually feel in this moment to host this as a corporate moment, so I am confident there will be times for individual ministry as the day goes on. But if you are willing and physically able, I'd love to invite you to go on your knees in this moment. Spirit of Jesus, would you come and lead and guide us into all truth? Would we know communion with you in the inward parts? Or would your searchlight come, expose darkness, and usher in light? Jesus, we meet you in humble surrender, and we pray genuinely, Holy Spirit, come. Father, I pray in this moment, grace for us to set down the broom and the hoover and to trust you to clean us up like only you can. Jesus, we place ourselves under your cleansing flow. Only you, only you, Jesus, can bring light into the innermost being. Holy Spirit, would you come Let us live the truth of our new identity. Mm, oh, precious is the flow that may. 
Father, in the name of Jesus, where we have opened ourselves to you, Lord, where we have invited you in meaningfully, I pray for grace for us to continue that outside of this moment. Lord, I thank you that you say for all who will welcome you in this way, that there is a clothing that you will give them. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, in this place of repentance and surrender, we receive the enabling power of your spirit. Spirit of God, would you come and clothe us with power from on high? And Father, I pray for myself. I pray for my brothers and sisters, aunties and uncles in this room that they host the power of God in greater measure. That that same spirit that propelled this woman into this moment, that that spirit that propelled timid fishermen into the witness to Jesus at great cost, that same spirit is upon us now. Spirit of the living God, would you manifest yourself in power? You have manifested in tenderness. We welcome you in power. Would you come and clothe us with power from on high? Would our lives of worship and our times of worship not be the fruit of our wisdom and our reasoning? Would they be places where the spirit lights upon the earth? We invite you. Spirit of the living God, we invite you, clothe us afresh, baptize us afresh with power from on high. That the things that seemed impossible before we stepped into this place will be possible in your name. Jesus, that we will go where you send us, not with hype and strategy, but in the power of the Spirit. Lord, that we will contend with those that contend against us in the power of your Spirit. That the liberation of Jesus will be known through us and through our communities. Holy Spirit, come! We welcome you, Spirit. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep unlocking things. Yeah, thank you, Lord, your sparking vision in this moment. Oh, Lord, would you come and wear us like clothing? Would you cover us? Would you transform us? Thank you. We honor you, Holy Spirit. We honor your presence with us. 